that's so braven. If you don't listen to this podcast, do you know what happens? You get it. Okay. I feel good about that. <laughs> this podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's. Also brought to you by Grand Rapids Comic Con, November 9th through the 11th, 2018, at the DeVos Place. Tickets on sale now at grcomiccon.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to another special Court of Nerds interview. Uh, it's a little bit of a that's so braven. I'm Drew, and with me, as always, is wrestling expert and resident Halloween Havoc fan, Benjamin Raven. Our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, he is a father, which I think he would want listed first. He is an author. He is an actor. He is an announcer. And generally seems like an all-around pretty darn good guy. He is Ring of Honors, Ian Riccoboni. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to speak with you guys. There's so much going on. And like you said, father, well, there's going to be number two on the way coming in 2019. So my wife and I just got that great news. And uh, Zach's a little too young to understand what that means. He's going to be a big brother, but... Uh, we we think he's excited. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting. You know, you're gonna be you're about to be a very very busy man. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot going on on the docket for work. Now adding a second child, and uh, one of the big announcements for you very recently was that you'll be a part of All In and Starcast. What was it like getting that invite? And, and describe that moment for us. Oh, it was crazy. It was something that I I actually had to sit on uh, for quite some time. So. Uh, Cody had approached me and he said, Hey, are you, do you do anything Labor Day? And I said, Oh, you know, not usually, you know, it's usually a pretty low key weekend. And this was back in, I think January, last time Ring of Honor was in Nashville. And I, and I said, yeah, you know, not usually he goes, Hey, keep it open. Um, you know, and, and it was in that instance where they started to talk publicly about, about all in what that might look like. And, and the 10,000 seat bet that Dave Meltzer had just occurred. So I didn't really put the pieces together, actually. I'm quite, I'm quite naive sometimes. <laughs> and over time, uh, you know, Cody and Nick and Matt, uh, they pulled me aside and, and they had asked me more formally if I'd love, like to do it. And of course I would. It's a history-making event. First wrestling event that has 10,000 or more people that's not the WWE, I believe since 1999, if not 1998. So it's kind of an incredible, incredible event, uh, at least here in the United States. And it's going to break records. And it was something that I, when they announced it and when they, when Dave Meltzer kind of threw down the gauntlet, it was something that I'd hoped to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many talented broadcasters out there, uh, guys like Kevin Kelly, guys who are a little bit more established even than Kevin, like Jim Ross, that you, you keep it in the back of your mind, you cross your fingers, you hope the connections, the personal connections that, that you've made with them and some of the calls you've made for them uh, come to the front of their mind, and you know it's really an honor that that they thought high enough to ask and, and approach me about it. And it, for me, it was just who was going to be my partners <laughs> because I had kind of known uh, that I'd be a part of the team. And you know, it, it was a process where some of the names were shared and some weren't. <laughs> and I'm really excited. I don't know if you could have picked a more unique, eclectic group. 
but with that, with that uniqueness, I, I think there's the potential for magic. I'm really excited to work with Don Callis. I'm really excited to, to call matches along Excalibur from PWG. Uh, Sean Mooney's been a guy that, that I uh, watched on TV since I've been very, very young, including when he went to WWOR Channel 9 out of New York to be a newscaster. Awesome. And after WWE, I remember him popping up there. So uh, kind of an incredible experience. You have Alicia Atut, who's, who's one of the fastest-rising wrestling broadcasters out there as well, and then Justin Roberts and Bobby Cruz. So uh, I, I can't even put into words how much it meant to me and the response uh, that I got. Um, it's something where I hope this is just the, the first of many. I, I was talking to somebody, and I tried to liken it to the All-Star game. You know, for years and years and years, the Phillies would, would get the token All-Star. You know, every, every Major League Baseball team is required to have one All-Star. <laughs> and for years, the Phillies were so bad that they got, they got that one All-Star. And, you know, for me, I see this as an opportunity to, to step up to the plate and, and prove that, this isn't just the token all-star, you know, you, you see young players sometimes and you don't know if it's going to be their first and last all-star game or their first of many. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't have been more honored by the, by the offer and to accept it. And this is so exciting for me, especially to work with all the talent around me that I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in it to win it now. I'm in it to prove that, you know, I can, you know, I can call big matches on a big stage and, and there's not going to be very many bigger stages than, than all in, uh, especially at this point in my personal career. No, absolutely not. I mean, I've, I've been telling Drew, I've been to a couple of WrestleManias. This feels like a WrestleMania weekend. And uh, just seeing that roll out a guy, I mean, uh, the people on the broadcast team, I mean, Alicia, I mean, I've just heard of her name as of like three months ago and I follow her on Twitter and it's just like, wow, you are like a rocket ship taking off now. And then, of course, you've got Cyrus Don Callis and then someone like Sean Mooney. I mean, is Sean... It kind of brings me to the question of like who were who were your wrestling commentator uh, commentator influences growing up? Like uh, Sean Mooney was kind of known for his Coliseum Video host and hosting some of the side WWE WWF shows back in the day. But you know who do you try and not model yourself off of? But who inspired you the most from the kind of legendary Rolodex of wrestling commentators and play by play guys? Sure, there, there's two that come to mind immediately and for very different reasons. The first is actually Vince McMahon. I've always loved Vince McMahon. Uh, he had a real authenticity, a real energy. He was somebody that really helped you invest yourself in what you are watching. And, and that was through his emotion, through his gravitas, uh, through his physical presence. You know, it was only later that I kind of realized just how big and large of a man he is and how he projected on camera and how that projection uh, projected confidence and, and in turn trust in, in the viewer yeah. and what they could say. Um, and then there's guys like Tony Schiavone who were just very detail oriented guys that could lead a broadcast. Uh, certainly somebody I also appreciated much later, but, but when I was younger, just again, somebody you could trust and it, it really came down to trust in a good play by play man for me. And, and, when you're when you're a young kid, that's how you kind of weed through things. It's it's that gut feeling. It's it's who do you enjoy listening to, but it's also you know who's going to tell you the full story. And and in the context of wrestling, Vince McMahon and Tony Schiavone were those two guys for me. Later in life, Lance Russell is my absolute favorite. Uh, he's a guy that I didn't discover until probably my teenage years when I started trading for tapes and and you know getting a little bit more Memphis and. 
and really digging into that back catalog. And Lance is a guy that, that I got to meet in 2015, and you know I really treasure that, and he was the nicest man in the world. And I wasn't anywhere near breaking into broadcasting you know, with Ring of Honor in a major way at that point, but he took the time to, to listen to me talk about it. And you know, so Lance has meant a lot to me since that one meeting. Uh, but as I've grown and as I've watched more wrestling, Lance Russell is definitely a guy. Again, it, it's that trust. It's that feeling that, that you're watching wrestling with a friend, which I think Tony Schiavone also did very well. And, you know, those are the, the big three for me. Now, I've been very lucky, lucky to be partnered with an amazing partner like Colt Cabana, who is really super smart, super funny, maybe the smartest and funniest guy I know, uh, and, and that really helps because if you look at McMahon, McMahon had Jesse Ventura. And if you look at Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone also had Jesse Ventura. <laughs> he, also had, he, had, he, had, he had Bobby Heenan as well. Uh, and, and Lance Russell, of course, had Dave Brown. So, yeah. you know, it, you can't – I don't think great play-by-play men uh, can survive on their own. They really need that, that complement of a great color commentator. And when you can get the two together, like peanut butter and jelly – it really raises the level of both. Uh, you know, obviously Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, you know, you don't want to overlook that. And I feel like that's, that's almost a, a given of mm-hmm. an answer, though, as well. So it, it's something where, for me, as a very young kid, uh, Vince McMahon jumped off the page. Tony Schiavone jumped off the page. Yeah. And then as, as I grew into a, kind of a more mature wrestling fan, I'm using air quotes, uh, Lance Russell really stuck out for me. So those are the big influences. And I got to see just about all of them because I lived in and grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, the home of the Wild Simone Training Center. And we got television. It's about uh, 80 miles from New York City and about 55 from Philadelphia. So we were in both the New York and Philadelphia media markets. So we got all kinds of stuff growing up. We got NWA yeah. Pro. We got Power Hour. We got Superstars, Challenge, Spotlight, All-American. Uh, you name it, we got NWF, or I believe... I think that's where Joey Styles started. Yeah. Uh, so we got, we got just about everything and anything. We had a number of local promotions. We had ESPN, so of course that meant we got AWA, USWA, Global. Uh, you name it. I, I wanted to watch it as a kid. No, yeah. I, lo- I, I personally love that you said Vince and Tony and then even Lance because those are three guys that uh, people tend to overlook when they're thinking about legendary commentators. And I love what you said about Vince and Tony kind of felt like you were watching wrestling with a friend. Like, you know, that friend, something crazy happens, and all of a sudden the friend screams, what a maneuver! And uh, just, I I loved watching wrestling with Vince McMahon. So what do you try and draw from those guys? Do you try and draw anything, or you just kind of take that approach, like, I want to be the guy that you sit down and watch wrestling with once a week? That's, I think, the latter. I I think what Colt and I are going for, and as we build our own rapport and our, our own friendship, is a pair that's reliable, that... You don't have to think too hard, but we're going to illustrate what's happening, and we're going to get invested in it to make your investment even easier. Because Ring of Honor has always had great in-ring action. It's had great storytelling. Uh, it's had compelling wrestlers and great athletes. So for us, I, I think it's much more the latter. Now, there are pieces with, with Vince McMahon that, as I deconstructed things, I, I think his energy was top-notch. I don't think anybody could beat it, and I think it was genuine. Because, you know, growing up and finding out, wow, this guy owns the company, uh, it, it's something where <laughs> you, you kind of see where that's coming from, and you realize that is genuine, and that he is excited about the product that he's calling. 
And I think that's what makes it easy for, for me for Ring of Honor. You know, I, I purchased the first Ring of Honor DVD at, at, at Borders. And this was maybe a year or two after it, it had happened and they'd been re-released by a third party. But I went back and I bought all the subsequent DVDs. They were released by a company called Takedown Masters. And you could tell right away there was something different and something unique and, and sort of a Ring of Honor style. And I, I guess that's what I aim for each time is delivering that story. But also, uh, I don't want there to be a learning curve because at its core, wrestling is, is a contest. It's athletics. It's, it's one-on-one or two-on-two. And I want somebody who's flipping through the channels to be able to stop on our program and, and say, oh, it's wrestling, and then hear what Colt and I have to say. Oh, I get this. This this guy doesn't like this guy because, and now they're wrestling. Or this guy wants the championship because, and now they're wrestling. And and so for me, it, I hate to simplify it that much, but I think that's Colt and I's goal each week is to just invite the viewers into our conversation and, and to make sure they're having fun and to make sure that, they enjoy Ring of Honor wrestling to the point where they figure out what time they saw it and they tune in next week or they go on the Fight TV app and, and they watch it again the next week. He is Ian Riccoboni. He is one of the voices of Ring of Honor and he is our guest right now on That's So Braven. I mean, Ian, listening to you talk, it's awesome. And it's funny, I'm going to compare you to my co-host here, Ben, you guys are, are, again, wrestling is part of your blood. It's part of your life. It's part of what gives you meaning. And, and I guess the question I have for you, Ian, is was this always the end game for you? Is this what you wanted to be doing with your life from a young age? Were you, like myself, cutting demo tapes on your dad's boombox until he found out you were recording over the Rolling Stones? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, to a degree, yeah. So... I had always had a big wrestling action figure collection from the time I was uh, two years old. I remember getting the big rubber LJN action figures. I actually broke my mom's foot with the big boss man. Uh-huh. Um, so I remember <laughs> I could, <laughs> my mom said I, I could pick out anything I wanted. And, and from the, there was this wrestling, it was an ad, it was in the back of the, the, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, it was the final LJN series. He said, pick out any three. You could have three. So I picked out the Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, and Brutus Beefcake. When the package came, there was four, uh, but it was the Warlord, Haku, Big Boss Man, and Rick Rude. <laughs> the, the company was slowly going out of business. LJN had gone under. And all of a sudden, now in the toy store, we're finding these little tiny Hasbros, comparatively tiny Hasbro action figures. So when I would get the action figures, I would, I would emulate a real production you know I, i'd wrestle with them and then call the matches so i joke that you know I, I believe in malcolm gladwell's theory that you need ten thousand hours to be a master at something and i would wager i have at least eight thousand just from wrestling <laughs> in a hasbro ring with the, with the wrestling action figures but you know from a young age it is something i wanted to do and and it was really a pivotal moment i had actually I'd always been an athlete in high school. I played baseball. I played basketball. I ran cross country. Um, I was always a little bit more physical as well, but I also played music. I played I was in the band. I was in the chorus. And there's something about football where I had it in my mind that if, if I was an offensive lineman or if I was a linebacker, uh, I might break my hands or get hurt, and then I could never play music, and I could never do this or that. So I'd never done that kind of physicality. And 
I was filming a segment with my friend, Chris Freed, who's now a comedian. He's on the uh, cable comedy shows and, and news shows and this and that. And it was a project he was doing for college rooms at the Wild Samoan Center. And I remember thinking, okay, this is where I'm going to find out if I want to be a wrestler or not. <laughs> because <laughs> at that point in my head, the door was still open. I was a decent enough athlete in high school. Um, I went on to play college baseball. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm a solid dude. I'm six foot tall. I'm 210 pounds. Let's see how this works. I took the first bump and I said, no way, <laughs> no way, no how. <laughs> so, at, at 16, um, that was the moment where I decided, hey, you know what? Uh, let's, try, let's try and be involved in wrestling, but let's try and be a broadcaster because that was something when I would do my senior project in the state of Pennsylvania, they make you do a senior project to help you identify a career to pursue after you graduate. My senior project, even from freshman year, had been broadcasting. So in my head, that's where the formula, the plan started formulating. And I, I remember telling my high school guidance counselor, oh, I want to be a, a sports center anchor. Hmm. And very rightfully, yeah. they, they said, well, you know what? There's, there's really probably, what, 10 of those right now, and that's a very difficult job to get. Uh, and and they, were, they were honest but fair. You know, and it's probably not something that, that you might be able to do. You should think of something you can do as a backup, you know, publicity or uh, marketing. And what I ended up doing in college, I was a personal assistant for a TV commercial director agent, and that was a great job, and I thought I was going to go into advertising. Uh, but something kept pulling me back into, into broadcasting. And so uh, 2009, I graduated from NYU. Uh, I went straight to grad school. I did a one-year master's at Penn. And, and while I was there, my buddy Chris, who's been kind of this weird central figure in my life, he's two years older than me. He's kind of been uh, kind of a fun older brother type. Um, he calls me up. He says, hey, I'm doing a public access show. I need an Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson. And I thought, oh, that's, that sounds fun. And so we do the show, and we do seven or eight episodes. One of the episodes is based around wrestling. And sure enough, back in my life again is, is the Wild Samoan, uh, excuse me, the head shrinker, Samu. <laughs> and Samu is there, and we're talking wrestling again, and I, I meet Johnny Cashmere and, and Matt Walsh and, and some guy named Adam Cole. I don't know what he's doing these days, but... <laughs> I heard there. he passed away. <laughs> Tragic. Oh. Tragic. I saw him being the elite. Yeah, he's R.I.P. I mean, I mean Joey he's Ryan. guy that... Yeah, a lot of deaths on that show. <laughs> hopefully, Rick. Hopefully, Rick A. Bonnie doesn't die. Anytime soon. I'm really pulling bad. for the guy on the record. I like him. I think he's a straight shooter. <laughs> and he always ends up where Billy Joel is. That's the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest thing. Weirdest, weirdest thing. You know, it's so good. Anyways, I mean, we're sorry. You're talking. You're you're in a room. Uh, you know, you've got some kid named Adam Cole is hanging out. Yeah, so, again, we're, we're, it's all coming back wrestling, and this is 2010. And we're doing this show, and long story short, that show leads to me. Uh, I started writing for a Phillies website. It was recognized by USA Today as the top baseball blog in the country. So that was cool, but then we started doing the video blog. And the video blog, I said, hey, I know these public access people. Why don't we talk to them, get the show on the air? So we get the show on the air there, and then it gets picked up by Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia, and it's a weekly thing, and... And it gets crazy, and I'm doing a segment on there with famous Phillies fans. I meet the Blue Meanie, 
from Phil, uh, from ECW from Philadelphia. Yeah. All of a sudden now I'm I'm at the Monster Factory interviewing the Blue Meanie, and and I walk up to Danny Cage and I say, hey, if, if my friend ever wanted to do something here, if he wanted to maybe do some commentary, I don't know if you broadcast your shows or if he wanted to be an interviewer or a ring announcer, how, how would he go about doing it? And Danny Cage looks me dead in the eye and he goes, well, if your friend, and, and I, right then I knew the, <laughs> the gig was up. <laughs> if your friend wants to do this, uh, he'll come around, he'll learn how to set up the ring, break down the ring. Uh, he'll learn how to set up our guardrails, our chairs. Um, he'll help out with concessions and merchandise. And, you know, when we get used to and accustomed to your friend, then we might start to give him some opportunities. And it, uh, it was about four maybe four months in or five months in, um, going in week after week, um, every Wednesday and then for on event days, uh, I got my first opportunity to ring announce. From there, I started asking for hard cam footage to commentate over. Uh, from there, Brutal Bob Evans came in. He recommended he, I meet his friend Kevin. I didn't make the connection again. This naivety seems to, I seem to fall backwards into things. His friend Kevin was Kevin Kelly. And, you know, Kevin took me under his wing for a, a few years. And, uh, you know, Kevin got the great opportunity with New Japan to call their English events, including the G1, which is happening right now. And when he did that, the door opened. And all I ever hoped was that, you know, through the process, you know, when you're the backup quarterback, when you're the backup anything, you, you just hope and that, you know, if the starter leaves or gets traded or goes down with injury, that you just get the first shot. You get one shot. Yeah. And that's all I'd, I'd hoped for. And so I was so thankful. I was in Chicago on a business trip. And I was in a, I was in a, actually was in the toilet. No one, no one knows this part of it. <laughs> breaking news here. I was actually in the, in the bathroom. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. That's our kind of exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Jan- January 31st, uh, 2017, I got a phone call. Or maybe it was February 1st. It was one of those days. And I'm sitting there in, in, a, in a toilet in O'Hare Airport, and I get a call from uh, one of the Ring of Honor officials. He says, he says hey, uh, you know, if, if, you, if we asked you to be our lead announcer, could you make all the dates? And I, I said, yeah, of course. And he said, okay, and, and get ready to call TV in Pittsburgh. And that was it. And, you know, and, and there were some other nice things. There were some things that gave me said that gave me some confidence. They were very complimentary to Kevin, uh, but also, you know, they wouldn't have asked if they didn't think I was ready kind of things, which, you know, really helped kind of ease me into the, the monster in front of me, which was a TV taping. And um, it was just, it was like ripping a Band-Aid off. I remember that first taping. Uh, we had uh, four episodes, including uh, Frankie Kazarian joining the Bullet Club and uh, it was crazy, and it was the fastest five hours of my life. And now, month after month, um, it's it's the best five hours of my life. Mm. It, it's great, and, and I wouldn't trade it really for anything. But it all happened really, really fast. In real time, it didn't seem that fast. But looking back, uh, just sort of a lot of the right place, right time things, um, it was incredible. And, and I really attribute it to the, the phrase, um, don't get ready, stay ready, because yeah. you you just never know. You never know when the door's going to knock, and you don't know if you fail that first time if there's going to be a second time. Wow, I mean, from on the toilet in the airport to Nashville, Tennessee, for Friday's 
Ring of Honor, Honor for All event. I mean, it's been a hell of a journey for you, Ian, and now you're staring down some massive matches that people will be able to hear your call on on Honor Club. I mean, Ian, let's let's open with what I think could be one of our opening matches. You've got Bully Ray and Sexy Chucky T. Mm. No, Chucky T is my favorite, and and that's not even just because he's a he's a Sixer fan like myself. I was going to say, is uh, that because he's a Sixer prophet. fan? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Billy Boy. Yeah, there you go, two on five. Well, you know he's you know Chuck Taylor's a guy, and, and this is what Ring of Honor has, has made Ring of Honor so special over the years. Ring of Honor has really always been kind of the collection of the best independent talent from all around the world. And it's amazing to me that it's taken as long as it has for Chuck Taylor to get here. And I don't know if that's Ring of Honor's fault. I don't know if it's, you know, Chuck Taylor, a Chuck Taylor decision. But, you know, so glad to have a guy of that caliber who's traveled the world like he has, who has this amazing sense of humor, but also is such a great wrestler. Um, And against an international star like Billy Ray, that's going to be a really interesting set of circumstances because Bully really hasn't faced in the last few weeks uh, or last few months even a guy that's of comparable size. You know, Chucky e. T is about 6'3", Bully Ray is about 6'4". <laughs> uh, Bully Ray has, has a little bit of size advantage, but um, Chucky e. T, I, I would argue, has agility, speed, uh, reach on his side. So it's going to be a real test for Bully Ray because he keeps running his mouth and, and finally somebody... Uh, with all due respect to Cheeseburger, is going to get an opportunity in an, an official capacity to take to take him on one on one, and that it's kind of crazy that that could be the opening match. Um, and it's really t- it speaks to the the strength of this card coming up, uh, which you can watch on ROHHonorClub.com this Friday uh, for all Honor Club members. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a first time match with Matt Taven and Marty Skrull, two guys who are right in the thick of the the Ring of Honor World Championship title picture. Um, the first ever triple threat between the Briscoes, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian, and the Young Bucks. Uh, you're going to have the NWA World Heavyweight title on the line, Flip Gordon taking on Nick Aldis. And if Flip Gordon wins, he's all in. Which, yeah. you know, we talked about the stakes of that event as well. So it's this kind of crazy environment where you know anything can happen. We've seen championship change hands on these Honor Club events. Um, they are events where our guys, I know, get really excited because, you know, as we've talked about my personal growth, it, it's coincided with this amazing growth of Ring of Honor where we're getting record crowds in places like San Antonio, in Dallas, in Nashville, North Car- uh, Concord, North Carolina, Atlanta. It, you name the city, we've drawn a record crowd within the last 12 months there. And, and I don't anticipate anything different heading into Nashville. And, you know, it's because of the matches. It's because of the talent we have. And, I, you know, I certainly can't wait. I, it's, it's been crazy. It's Nashville. Nashville's one of many events. We have Nashville. We have Atlanta. We have the Honor Reunited Tour with some of the great UK stars coming up. And, you know, sometimes as the, the announcer, as the, as the guy that, that's tasked with keeping track of it and promoting the events on, on the other <laughs> events on the TV, it's, it's tough to keep track of. But oh, this man. Nashville one feels special, um, especially, you know, Cody versus TK Lyon. And you have guys like Kenny King, Shane Taylor, Jonathan Gresham, and Chris Saban trying to make their impact as well. Uh, it's it's going to be an amazing event. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Nick and Flip and just... 
I mean, that, that Nick Gordon, I mean, Nick Gordon, Flip Gordon and Nick Aldis match is just another representation. I've been watching Ring of Honor since the Samoa Joe, CM Punk, CM Punk, Raven days. So I've been around the, around the horn with Ring of Honor, and it's so crazy to see how much it's grown. And not just the last year, but the last two years. I'm seeing shirts everywhere. And now to see a Friday night event in Nashville, Tennessee, with the NWA's 10 pounds of gold on the line with a shot at the world's, the most important independent wrestling event on the line. I mean, there's so much at stake here and that's just scratching the surface. How cool is it seeing this Flip Gordon all-in storyline develop the way it has organically over social media, the way it has, just through being the elite and everything like that? It's incredible. And it speaks to, it speaks to the, the vision that, that Cody, Matt, Nick, Adam, Kenny, uh, Flip, that Marty, that, and I'm sure I'm forgetting folks. I mean, there, in, in a few weeks uh, and a few, uh, weekly installments, they have fleshed out exactly who Adam Page is. They fleshed out exactly who Flip Gordon is. They fleshed out exactly who the Young Bucks are, uh, Kenny, Kota Ibushi, Cody. And they've given a real, they've given a third and sometimes even a fourth dimension to just who these wrestlers are. And they've created an amazing storytelling tool in the context of having to work uh, between two of the largest wrestling companies in the world, Ring of Honor and New Japan, and incorporate what they're doing in those organizations to the stories that they are trying to tell as well. And it, it speaks to the, the vision that they have. And if you if you think of Flip Gordon and his development and watching the all in, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, story unfold, it's incredible. Flip Gordon was a guy that that I remember seeing at the Ring of Honor tryout camp on January, I believe it was fifteenth or sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, and in those tryout camps, we often tell folks, you know, yes, you you're ready for TV. Um, but those opportunities don't come right away just because of the way talent is signed and, and because of the way opportunities line up. Flip Gordon was on TV three months later for us and signed within a week after. Uh, Flip Gordon's a really special talent. He's got a boatload of personality. Uh, he, he's, you know, whether it's t- talking about how he served his country, whether it's talking about how he's from the great state of Montana. But sometimes because of the constraints of Ring of Honor's television. We're only a one-hour program, so each minute, each second becomes incredibly valuable. We don't get to expand upon just who wrestlers are in a meaningful way. So what the Young Bucks, Cody, Adam Page, Marty, Kenny, Coda, Flip, uh, you know, even to agree myself, a SoCal Uncensored, what, what Matt, Nick, Cody, what they've been able to tee up is the opportunity to really show the world who each of these wrestlers are. And there's a meaningful chunk of our audience, of Ring of Honor's audience, that also watches Being the Elite, and it makes it an easy transition to talk about the stories that unfold. Now, I say that with a qualifier. We know not all watch Being the Elite, so you know it does require some explanation. Mm-hmm. But that's explanation that that they have teed up for me and put it on a silver platter that all I have to do is swing and just recap what's happening 
on there to bring the life that they brought to, to some of their personalities in the ring of honor. And, you know, we see that, we see that crossover, we see that blend. It, it's almost triangular between being the elite New Japan and ring of honor. And, and it's, it's really incredible because it, it takes a second level of thought and foresight to do that, especially knowing that New Japan has a finite amount of television time, Ring of Honor has a finite amount of television time, and it's really taking initiative. And it's just another way specifically, I think, of the Young Bucks, how they have changed the game. And, you know, they had done so as one of the original, you know, wrestlers or groups to sign with pro wrestling tees. They've done so with a lot of their original merchandise. They've done so with their innovative offense and, you know, quote-unquote, killing the business. (laughs) <laughs> well, now all of a sudden they have they have this web series where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people at any given time are watching this series, and it's as compelling as as a lot of the the television that you see on a weekly basis. So it enhances our product at Ring of Honor and enhances New Japan's product, and it's something that has just been an, an incredible tool uh, for all of us to really, you know, take individual wrestlers like Flip, like Adam Page, like Joey Ryan, RIP, Adam Page, RIP, uh, to the next level. I mean, Ian, one of the other things that you guys at Ring of Honor have been really dedicated to and something that you've been able to be involved with on a personal level level, has been the elevation of women of honor. Can you tell us a little bit about what that development process looked like and what it was like saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to start doing women's wrestling on TV now. Can we do that, please? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, Women of Honor has always been super special to me. And, and Women of Honor has been, uh, has, has been something that's been on Ring of Honor's radar for quite some time. Uh, when I first met Kevin Kelly in, in 2014, excuse me, uh, Kevin had mentioned that Ring of Honor had two initiatives that they wanted a new voice for. So they were sort of passively recruiting uh, for a broadcaster for, for Future of Honor, which we now see every Friday, and elements of that we see in the Dojo Pro Series, and, and now Women of Honor. And so for those two things, they wanted somebody to, to break up the look and feel uh, that they were getting uh, on the weekly television and pay-per-view programs. So from the very beginning of, of the official relaunch, um, I was a part of Women of Honor, and it's been really fun and seeing the, the hard work of the women pay off. And, and of course, Mandy Leon and Donna, Deanna Perrazzo uh, competed in the first match of the, of the relaunch. We all know what Deanna Perrazzo has done. She's, you know, traveled the world and has gone on to, to NXT. Mandy Leon, of course, she's traveled the world also. She's competed in stardom. She's beat, uh, beat a number of the top competitors in stardom, and, and she's really looking to make a name for herself and, and climb to the Women of Honor Championship in, in Women of Honor. But it's been incredible because it went from a, a once-every-couple-weeks YouTube exclusive mm-hmm. to, to live pre-show, to television, to tournament, to on Honor Club events, to pay-per-view. And it, it was sort of a natural progression. And I 100% understand uh, some of the thoughts and some of the critiques that were offered. You know, why didn't you do this sooner? Uh, why wasn't a women's championship introduced right away? Um, you know, those sorts of things. But, you know, a lot of times when you have an established product like Ring of Honor, 
you ha- again, it, sometimes it comes down to time, and you have to find the time. If you don't have the time and you can't find it, uh, it sometimes it's not worth doing if you can't do it right. And so finally, we had the core group of women to represent women of honor, women like Kelly Klein, like Mandy Leung, like Jenny Rose, Sumi Sakai, the Women of Honor champion, Tennille Dashwood, uh, Mandy Leon. And, and those were athletes that, that we felt that we could build around, and that could be the, the nucleus. So when you see those athletes compete, you know, it, it says a lot because those are the athletes that, that drew in Tennille and that drew in uh, Chardonnay from the U.K., that are bringing in Viper, who we'll see on, on the Honor Reunited Tour. And it, it's that foundation that was built that allowed the partnership with Stardom to happen. So now we see Mayu Iwatani on a regular basis, mm-hmm. who's one of the best not only female wrestlers in the world, but just plain you know, wrestlers in the world. So Women of Honor has been near and dear to me. Um, you know, I've been thankful to have been a part of the process uh, since day one as, as the commentator for that project. And now the project is... is has simply reached the point where it is just a, a very special attraction as part of the, of the TV show and as part of our pay-per-views, and it is something that's really ingrained in our product to highlight the best female athletes uh, that we can provide. So it's it's really been incredible. Um, I'm so proud of all the women that that really helped us get there. And you know, there was there's women like Jessica Carr. Uh, Jessica Carr, for example, I was on a call her Kennedy Brink, so I had to pause. But she was Kennedy <laughs> Brink in, in, in Women of Honor. Uh, she was she was somebody that helped blaze the trail, and, and now she's an, a referee in NXT, but a great female wrestler. Candice LeRae main evented our first and you know our first Women of Honor show, and, and now she's somebody that's also taken over the world. Um, so you've seen the talent that that's come through, that's gone on to different platforms and you see the nucleus we have and the talent that we're drawing as well, like Tennille and, and Mayu and could get to the, the stardom champion. So it, it's been incredible to see where we were. We essentially with two female athletes and now where we're going, where we have an entire roster, including some of the best up and coming talent, like Stella Dre, like Gabby Ortiz, who's, who's competed in stardom, Riley Shepard, um, and then so many more. So, I'm just really, really excited about the, the journey from where we were to where we're going. And, and I don't think we've even scratched the surface yet because we've got some great amount of matches that are going to be ready to be announced soon for the Honor Reunited Tour in August for Death Before Dishonor coming up at the end of September. And uh, I, I think this will be the year that the Women of Honor Championship will be defended at final battle, which will really, you know, for me, that will seal the deal. That is the accomplishment, and that will truly solidify uh, the Women of Honor Championship when it's defended at Ring of Honor Signature event in December. No, I absolutely agree. And while you say where you're going, through all these partnerships like Dojo Pro, Winnem of Honor, Stardom, New Japan, uh, Cody and the Bucks and the All In Show, Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to host a G1 Supercard show at Madison Square Freaking Garden in 2019. How cool is that? Like, I mean, that's that's you're from Allentown, Pennsylvania. You yeah, know how special that is. We don't have like a super professional way to ask you this question, other than how freaking cool is it's the so garden? it's so cool. That was my only reaction. This is cool. Like, just like so. I before uh, before the news had been uh, before the news had been revealed. I believe in the Baltimore Business Journal, and you can please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but. 
Um, the CEO of Sinclair had, had mentioned that Ring of Honor was looking into running Madison Square Garden. Um, and that was printed in, I believe, the Baltimore Business Journal. But about a, a day or two before that, um, I'd received... Uh, and received a call asking to do a, a quick voiceover. And when I looked at the video I was voicing over, I was blown away. And it was, it was something that was sent with a password, which our videos are not normally sent that way. It was something <laughs> that was sent, um, you know, with do not forward, do not distribute, um, you know, with, with all kinds of warnings, with the caveat that this may not be used. But if we get the green light, we'd like to have it ready. And so um, I showed, you know, I showed my wife the excitement that I had uh, because when I started to watch it, I started to well up. Um, and she didn't know what I was welling up about. And I couldn't even tell her because it said, do not tell anybody. And so she could read on my face that I was overcome with joy. And this was actually uh, maybe a few days after we preliminarily found out that we were about to have our second child. So that's incredible. Like the news, like uh, maybe I was just happy anyway. Um, but as I kind of sat down to, to do that voiceover, um, I got a note saying, Hey, don't, you know, hold off, uh, you know, we don't know yet. The ink hasn't dried. You know, it's better to hold off. So I held off on it. But that was kind of the spark for me that this was kind of possible. And it was something that would break within the next 24 to 48 hours through that interview. Uh, I believe, again, I think it was the Baltimore Business Journal. And, and then just as quickly as it was announced and as people were texting me and, and calling me and Carrie Silken called me, we had dinner, we had Chinese food um, in Bethlehem. And, and as we talked about the garden, uh, quickly news broke that it, it might be off the table. And for me, as somebody, like you said, from Allentown, Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm less than 80 miles away. I went to school in New York city in Manhattan. I had been to the garden to see Bruce Springsteen. Um, I had been there to, to see New York Knicks games when, when NYU would give tickets away. Uh, it would have been incredible because not only was there the fact that it's the world's most famous arena, but it's, it also had a personal connection to me as well. It's a city I lived in for four years, and it's the Mecca. And so all of the, all the hopes and dreams as quickly as they came to me because honestly it was something that I never anticipated ever being a part of, uh, as quickly as they came and, and as the high that came, came with it, uh, it was quickly dashed. And so I was standing in my friend's living room, getting ready to go to Lehigh Valley iron pigs game, a triple a baseball game on Thursday. And I got a text from our PR guy and all it was was the G1 <laughs> supercar graphic, and I cried. I and then I I cried and I put my phone down and I I said I asked Nick if it was okay if I could make a phone call and I called our, our PR guy and and I said you're not kidding me with this are you and 
he said, check Twitter. <laughs> so I checked Twitter and I hit refresh. And sure enough, within a few seconds, the, the video, the hashtag it's happening video was up. Um, for someone like me that really never dreamed of being in Madison Square Garden, um, to be a part of this in any capacity, you know, I, I hope I call it. I know between the two organizations, we have a lot of great commentators, so a lot can happen between now and then. But, you know, my fingers are crossed that I'll, I'll be a part of it. Um, it's it's incredible. It's something that uh, you, you don't think is possible until the, the carrot's kind of dangled in front of you. And then when it becomes really real, uh, you, you just have this amazing feeling. And even if I wasn't a part of it, just to know that Ring of Honor and New Japan have gotten big enough to the point where Madison Square Garden, uh, not only one of the most famous arenas, but presumably from what I've read in, in ESPN and, and Sports Illustrated and uh, USA Today, just in business articles, is one of the most expensive venues to run, uh, was a real possibility for these two companies. Just blows your mind. You know, thinking back to the, the very first DVD I bought from the Murphy Rec Center and yeah. seeing Christopher Daniels, Brian Danielson, and Loki, and thinking about, I don't know, the 350 fans. Mm-hmm. And, and now there's a real possibility that, that 15,000, uh, which I believe is, is what, you know, we may be set up for, is what wrestling's usually set up for, uh, will be there. It's it's incredible. Um, I I really couldn't put it into words. And so, you know, my hope now is is that we just continue to build on this momentum that we have, and and that we we as in Ring of Honor and New Japan really come together and and deliver. You know, a top notch broadcast, a top notch card, um, you know, top notch production. You know, Ring of Honor, one of the under most underrated elements of our last couple, the last two three years is in all the production upgrades, whether it's adding the carry-tron and then adding the side video boards and the pyro and, you know, just all the lighting upgrades that we made. Um, we have to now think, how do we make that even bigger <laughs> for, for the biggest arena that we were, we're ever going to be in or that we're ever into that point? Yeah. So um, it's, it's exciting because now there's a date on the calendar. It, and how serendipitous is that? I mean, there's two professional sports teams that have that arena, um, the major concert promoters that at any given time can probably get a hold on that arena for, for acts like Ariana Grande, for Billy Joel, uh, for anybody um, <laughs> at, at that caliber. <laughs> and, and, and somehow that date, that particular date was open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of a sign that it, it might have been, it might have been meant to be. So, you know, it's still a long time away. There's still honor for all coming up. This Friday, we're in Atlanta on Saturday, then we go to the UK, and then Philly, and then all in, and then Vegas. But, man, April 6th, um, you know, that's just one of the, the big, big dates. Um, you know, hopefully by then, you know, we'll have, we'll have Rick a baby number two, happy and healthy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Zach and, and the baby and, and Sarah, they'll all be able to, to come up, take a short drive to Madison Square Garden and, mm-hmm. and enjoy it enjoy it with me so um yeah it, it's going to be incredible there's so many people that put so much hard work into this the wrestlers the production um our leadership like joe Koff, greg gillian gary jester who 
um, is a man that just knows how to get get deals done and, and a great promoter, and he has been since his days with Pro Wrestling USA and, and the NWA and WCW. So we just have a great team, and it's been this incremental growth, but this is this is a big step, and it's a big jump, and I think Ring of Honor and New Japan can deliver. Yeah, absolutely, and not really a question, but I've been one of those 300-some fans inside of a rec center watching a Ring of Honor show, and when this announcement came through, it's just like, wow, it's really freaking cool to be a wrestling fan right now. Like, this is unbelievable. Right, like, and, and as Ian just said, he didn't have any words for it, but trust me, I'm going to guess uh, around April 6, 2019, Ian, you're going to be able to find some of those words inside the <laughs> garden, my friend. <laughs> Listen, I sure hope so. I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be incredible, and it, that's the crazy part because we have so long to get there, and in between we have so, much, so many great things happening, and... Uh, and and hopefully those words won't escape me in between now and then. <laughs> Ian Riccoboni is our guest here on That's So Braven. You can find him at StarCast and All In, where hopefully we'll be able to hang out and chit-chat a little bit more. You can also find him on Ring of Honor. If you're not an Honor Club member, what are you doing with yourself? Do not miss this big card on Friday night in Nashville. It is Honor for All, massive show, Nick Aldis puts 10 pounds of gold on the line against Flip Gordon, and Ian Riccoboni will have the call from ringside. Ian, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we want people to follow you on Twitter, like you on Facebook, and keep up with you in every way they can. And hopefully, we'll catch up with you again soon. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, look forward, like you said, uh, Honor Club, real easy, ROHHonorClub.com, ROHWrestling.com. Those are the two sites you can sign up. Uh, $9.99 a month gets you the... The regular membership gets you our streaming events, of which there are many, the ROH on tour events. Uh, it gets you access to our back library. We just uploaded the Tyler Black DVD compilation uh, that came out about 18 months ago. So every month we're trying to add a new compilation. We're trying to go into the back catalog, the back catalog, excuse me, uh, add the 2002, 2003, 2004 events and so on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great thing. Um, if you get the VIP membership, it's the same price, just one lump sum you'd pay for one year. But it gets you all of our pay-per-view events. It gets you merchandise discounts, ticket on sale, notifications, and, and uh, you can pre-sale info as well. So, really, it's just it's a great way to do it. It gets you a lot of live, great professional wrestling as well. Like, it's going to be this Friday in Nashville. And uh, com for all the details on that. And I, you know, I'm really excited, and I, I got to get to prepared for it. All these, these huge <laughs> matchups, including the NWA World Title. Oh, it's unbelievable! Oh my goodness! 